welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome to the final half hour, the after the deadline half hour here on the Sports Ethos Thursday. It's afternoon now. It's not morning anymore. Was the morning pretty recently. Trade deadline, a live show spectacular. And I got all the heads here for this final half hour. I am Dan Bespris. I am joined by the big dog himself, the great Aaron Bruski, our dynasty monster, Rhett Bauer, and director of content here at Sports Ethos, the uh, little trigger-happy <laughs> Stephen Vitovich, who I'm going to torture for today for a very, very long time. Uh, we're waiting to see if any trades trickle in after the 12 o'clock hour. They often do, although it's gotten less the last couple years, presumably since uh, teams stopped faxing stuff to the league office and just like send a, a text message to Adam Silver that says, hey man, I got Mark Williams now. Uh, so, gentlemen, I will interrupt if something comes through, uh, but... Steven, since you were with me for the first hour, you've been able to kind of watch this stuff fly. I know you like Mark Williams. What have you liked about today? Let's just dive right in. Yeah, um, Mark Williams, obviously a huge winner of today. By the way, my hands are up for those listening on the pod. <laughs> no clicking. Not pressing any buttons. Um, I, I'm... You know, I'm really happy that the Warriors got back a rotation player for a player that wasn't uh, able to impact. Um, and saved $80 million in the process, I saw. Amazing. Um, I mean, it's not my money, but good for Joe Lake up and company to save uh, <laughs> money and upgrade the roster with uh, the arms race in the West. Uh, I do think the addition of Gary Payton hurts Dante DiVincenzo a good amount uh, because uh, Dante's been you know, in the Gary Payton role this season. Um, and he's been able to hang on to like low end value. So I'm curious to see how Gary Payton's um, return impacts Dante. Uh, curious that John Collins is the new Miles Turner um, in terms of the trade deadline. Uh, that's interesting. Um, Mason Plumley getting moved for a second round pick. Uh, and Reggie Jackson is wild. Um, but great that he got moved. I don't think there's a whole lot of pickups. Uh, Josh Richardson is a drop, unfortunately. Uh, I was hoping he was going to stay on the Spurs through the deadline. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that, oh, and Mo Bamba's arrival to the Lakers has uh, made me a bit more sour on Jared Vanderbilt, although I still like Vanderbilt more than Bamba. I just think that they're going to eat into each other's value too much, depending on what the Lakers need on the court at any given time. Uh, and those are my overall uh, high-level thoughts uh, over the last few hours. Rhett, what did you hear in Steve's analysis? What can what do you want to add? What do you want to pivot on? Um, yeah, I, Steve, I knew you'd, you'd have to go back on the Vanderbilt thing. It looked great when Thomas Bryant got sent out, and then they brought in a, uh, a, a pretty good center. But, Rhett, where are you at on today? Yeah, I think that... He pretty much covered it. And like I said, when I came on, I don't think there's that many massive shifts in value. I think like you guys have been mentioning, Colin Sexton's probably the biggest one, but you, that's also not exciting at all. Obviously Mark Williams uh, more recently, but other than that, like it's kind of underwhelming as far as fantasy impact from this deadline, despite 56 second round picks getting moved. 
Brew, uh, the Nets have every small forward in basketball. They didn't move any of them besides Jake Crowder, who wasn't playing anyway. How do they fit all those pieces together? I mean, the big names are going to elbow out the littler names. Um, they're going to play a lot of six foot eight lineups. Um, I was just wondering if that second or that that deal in Houston had hit your guys' radar. Is is that? I mean, it's Kelly Eco for the Athletics, so it's probably real. Um, Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky to the Rockets. Oh, that one he was recycled. Garrison Matthews. Yeah, it was a little earlier. Yeah. That was earlier. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean. A little low-key interesting because it's going to possibly throw a wrinkle. And I don't know if, if people are getting bought out or what, but um, throw a little wrinkle in the Terry Eason situation. Um, Bruno Fernando takes a center out of the mix in terms of Alperin uh, Shingun. So that's interesting. Um, in terms of the Nets, to just kind of go back to that, I think, man, sometimes basketball can get really fun when you have a lot of athletic um, lengthy, versatile players on the floor. And it kind of reminds me of OKC in the, the last couple of weeks where you're seeing guys like Jalen Williams really take off and become a top 75 player. And I, the comparisons are not equal, um, but maybe, just maybe, you know, Brooklyn can be super fun. And with all of those arms and legs flying around, create a lot of turnovers and have some of these stat lines where they're just super full. Um you know, Mikhail, I think, has a legit shot if they value him this way. You never know when a, when a new team comes into the mix. He's been a first or second round guy all season long. Um, he was about to dip down to top 40 or top 50, you know, with the, the Phoenix Suns at full strength. Maybe he keeps some of that momentum that he had. Obviously, a big ethos guy, so we're rooting for that. Um as you go down roster, it's going to be tough. But, you know, I, I did my quick little quick cheat sheet here. I think Cam Thomas gets hurt. Uh, Dinwiddie is going to get hurt only because he's had such a great run. He's had a top 50 run in Dallas. And it's practically impossible for him to du duplicate that, I think. But in terms of a place where they kind of need what he does, I, I think he will be kind of a top 75, maybe top 100 player at worst. So that's a good trade deadline for him in the sense that it could have been erased pretty easily. Um, and then down roster from there, Simmons could get a bump because, you know, all the big guns left and he's got to reclaim some of his old status and, and really just being more assertive would get him there. Uh, DFS and Royce are the big losers, um, but they're still very versatile players. And um, it wouldn't be surprising if they kept top 150 value in this thing. Uh, Nick Claxton could continue to get a lot of defensive stats because as players are coming into the lane, you know, they're not doing as well. Now the converse of that could be, could be true. There could be such good defense on the perimeter, you know, from bridges, um, you know, being this sort of lengthy athletic team that, that he gets less chances because there's less people turning the corner and getting into the lane. That's something to watch out for, but they're super interesting. And, and I, I want to see them do do very well. And and I think they just had an outstanding trade deadline um, getting a player of Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson as well. And I think Cam Johnson, he has been muted his entire career in Phoenix. And he's coming back from injury. So that's probably the biggest control on his value. But I think when you pick him up in this kind of a deal, it's not to have him be in a 
three minute roll and just sort of struggle through that. I think that they're going to want to see what they have in him and, and pump him up to the most that his body can handle. And, and that's just music to our ears. He's just going to continue along the same trajectory as before. So not, I would have preferred for him to stay in Phoenix just because of, you know, a little less risk, but I, I like how that worked out. Uh, Brew, I'm going to come right back to you and I'll try to again, do my, my sort of boomerang here through the faces on your board. Um, what do you think about Toronto? They didn't end up selling a single player. They brought in Pirtle. Everybody else remains intact. That tells me, um, and, and as Woj is just tweeting right now, that they never turned out to be sellers. Um, I think the market was just softer than they would have liked. I think teams probably looked at Fred Van Vliet, and hopefully, um, I mean, not hopefully, but I, I guess hopefully because his knee is not good, and his future... <laughs> on that deal is not good, you know? And so I think the market was probably softer there. The league's got a ton of great point guards, so they probably didn't like what they saw there. And, you know, for OG, I'm a little surprised he didn't go. And and I think there were a lot of teams that would have paid up for OG, but it also feels like the price for good players in this league suddenly became four first round picks. Um, you know, shout out Rudy Gobert. And <laughs> that's um, not what, OG is worth obviously um but maybe that's what they valued him at and the returns were coming back way less than that and um you know they, they just decided hey let's let's get uh, Pirtle and let's make a run at this thing I don't know if I would have done that but again I, I I would bet that the market spoke there and they said you know what rather than just doing this dumb deal we're just going to keep it and run it back uh, where my, where's my next boomerang? That's Rhett. You're next on the boomerang board here. Um, what do you think about Brooklyn and Toronto? Is there anything that we can pull out of that fantasy wise? Oh man. I, I don't really think so. I think I agree. Cam Thomas takes a hit, which duh, because he's not going to have 45 points a game the rest of the season. <laughs> that was obviously going to come down, but I guess I, even with the market being what it was and, and Toronto feeling like okay they didn't get offers that they liked i'm still kind of surprised that guys like fred and trent are still there um but regardless as far as fantasy value i think dfs goes down i think royce o'neill goes down because they'll probably end up featuring mccall and cam johnson like that just seems like the right move for them to to feature the centerpieces of their kevin durant deal but at the same time with cam johnson looking at restricted free agency this summer you think maybe there's a chance that they don't play him as much so that they don't give him enough shine to up the price? What do you think about that? The tinfoil hat is on, and it's I've seen that around the league enough to be concerned about it, but you just never know. Like some front yeah. off, a lot of this stuff gets done way in advance. So like if you're trading for Mikhail Bridges and you're trading for Cam Johnson, you're you're really saying, All right, to so the agents what's going to be the future here and if you feel that it's uncertain then you're just not paying as much so uh perhaps that goes into the calculus for this deal and they don't think they've got the the great shot at cam johnson and and maybe that's why you know he was included in the deal who knows but the um i i think that when we, when we look at this stuff they they're so far ahead of us like when you see these leaks from players and agents and, and family members, you're just reminded of that constantly. Those guys know what is going to happen in the NBA six months in advance. And 
we're all just waiting to see the the Woj and Shams tweets on this stuff. Um, but yeah, I would be concerned about that. But I'll I'll, I'll opt to be optimistic that they want to see, you know, <laughs> twenty seven minutes per game from Cam Johnson. As I run low on the tank here, Steve, you are next on the boomerang. Thoughts on the Raptors? Thoughts on the Nets? Thoughts on the Rockets? Brew, you mentioned uh, the you know the Rockets bringing in some guys there. Uh, Steve, I want to start with you on this one. Can we move on from Tari Eason in non-keeper situations? Because we kind of needed a forward gone, and instead it seems like they might have even added one. Yeah, I think that it's safe to drop Eason, uh, although I could still see him garnering more minutes as the season progresses. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to happen right now. It might we might have to wait until like close to the silly season. And by then it's probably too late. Um, so I'm comfortable with that drop. Unfortunately, was hoping uh, that we would see KJ Martin move. There is one guy that uh, I forgot to mention on the first go around. Uh, and that's Matisse Thibel. He is somebody mm. that I am definitely interested in on the Blazers. Uh, I do think that he is the player uh, that they were targeting over Cam Reddish because they got the first with Cam Reddish. So that shows me um, that Tybal is going to be the, um, the the option they're going to use first to replace uh, Josh Hart. They wanted defense. They wanted uh, a wing defender. That's what they got in Tybal. They sent out Gary Payton the second because they've been disappointed with uh, his long-term injury to start the season, uh, and he was supposed to be that defensive ace. So Tybal comes into that role. And I think that he is a reasonable low-end option in search of defensive stats uh, for category formats. Um, the Rockets' uh, wings are so crowded. It, it, it Honestly, I'm not really looking at many Rockets in terms of uh, standard league appeal. Uh, this go-around, um, they're kind of been a disappointing team all around. Uh, but... Seibel is definitely a guy that has piqued my interest with his move to Portland. Hmm. Brew, what are your thoughts on the Rockets? I, I think the... Oh, wait a minute. I need you to turn your <sighs> mic. I need you to turn your mic off and back on and then give us your thoughts on the Rockets. You've slipped into buzz mode here. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's like every 20 minutes now. Have you... Are you... I don't know. Yeah, perfect. All right. I don't know why this happens, but thoughts on the Rockets now that you've debuzzed. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I want to know what they're going to do with Holiday. That's that's kind of question number one, because if he's a minute muncher, he can it could go either way. And and the rant by Silas, that was man, you don't see coaches do that that much. They go to the rant very um, sparsely. Young coaches probably more than older coaches, but he's not that guy. And this has been building for a long time. And they did come out in that Kings game and play hard. Now they didn't defend and the Kings are one of the best offenses in the league. So you kind of got to take that into account, but at least they played hard. So I guess he has the locker room in that regard. Um, if, I mean, I think it all points to the fact that change could be in the air in Houston. If they completely have the bottom fall out. It, the, the bar is really low there. If they can just try hard, I think they're not going to be making major changes. I think they want to see what Shingun can do. Um, but if you throw in a holiday who coaches would love to just take that guy and stick him in there for 25, 30 minutes per game, bring some 
consistency to the offense, some professionalism to that team, that could be very bad for Terry Eason. Now, if he's just going to pass through for a minute and, and be in the buyout market, that's a huge bullet dodged for a lot of players on that team. And then in terms of the big man stuff, Bruno Fernando was not going to cut into Shingun's minutes. Frank Kaminsky, I don't know where he's at physically. Um, he, if he can play, would theoretically be a guy that has had some recent success, you know, in the playoffs even, and could give you 15, 18 minutes per game and keep Shingun from being this sort of 38 minute you know, just monster who's just never leaving the floor and everything's running through him. So maybe this is a little bit of a downer for Shingun. I'm kind of evaluating him in the context of just his own play. If he can continue to put up big offensive numbers, that's probably two-thirds of the puzzle for him. And then the other third is, can he just not be completely terrible on defense every night? If he can just clear that bar... I think this year's fantasy numbers are in the top 30, 40, 50 range the rest of the way. If he goes on a free throw bender the wrong direction, then you're looking at probably two to three rounds the other direction. Um, and that's where he's at. So as long as he just can hang in there, um, I would be, if Kaminsky has any juice in him, I, I do think they might look at him as like a Shingun kind of version two. So they run stuff through him similarly. And, um, maybe try to balance their offense out that way. That's probably too advanced for the Rockets at this stage of their development because Jalen Green's just going to run down and jack up shots and Kevin Porter's just going to run down and jack up shots if he gets back on the floor. Uh, Gordon was their guy to balance things out, and he's gone. So um, they're interesting. Let's, let's really focus, though, on Holiday as the big piece there. If, if anything happens with that, um, then I think Eason would be more droppable. But I'm kind of with Steve in the sense that and I don't know if this is actually Steve's position or not. I would probably not give up on Eason. Like, I'm with Steve. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, no, I, I would not drop Eason at this point because there's just too much there. Stat set's too good. Um, sometimes when he gets in the game, he's so impactful. To me, they're they're crazy for not giving him at least 25 minutes a game every night already. And And who knows? Maybe that's coming. I feel like Dynasty Red over there is nodding in affirmation. Yeah, Easton is not somebody I would drop until, like, give it, give it at least two weeks. I mean, give it at least like six to eight games. Uh, I can see Justin Holiday stepping into the Rockets and being like somebody that Silas throws out there a lot because Eric Gordon and his thirty minutes a game is gone, uh, and then Garrison Matthews and his thirteen minutes a game is gone. And if that rant told us anything, it's that he's not afraid to kind of make a point. And he could easily do that by having Justin Holiday out there a lot. Because of, of all of the guys on this roster, how many of them aren't going to go out there and just try to get their own at every given moment? I would say Justin Holiday is probably the only one on there that's a vet that can be like, all right, cool, I'm, I'm out here to do my job and y'all got it. Like, go ahead. But at the same time, if if there's some sort of buyout, then obviously Eason would be a massive, massive benefactor of that. He probably already is. He probably is going to get those Gordon and Matthews minutes spread out amongst them. And so he's going to get five more. Kenyon Martin's going to get three more. Jayshon Tate's going to get four more. And then all of a sudden you're looking at everybody's kind of at mid-ish type of like an, an incremental increase in value, not a drastic one. But I, I don't know. I have such a hard time 
watching this Rockets team because they are just so dysfunctional and disorganized, I feel like. Um, but like I said, that could be a reason why Silas enjoys Justin Holiday for the short term. I don't think there's that much of a dynasty change for any of these guys. Eason, we knew, was a long-term play. So I don't think there's that much of a change. I just hope Jabari Smith can finally just like play actual basketball and not just stand around watching his guards chuck up uh, 40 shots a game. Brew is looking well, very It's not even surly. just the guards. It's, it's Shingun as well. He's so good at what he does, but it's in his lane and it's not really right. in anybody else's lane. At the end of his 30 pump fakes, you know, and, and note to the league, just stay down. You, you, you might be okay if you stay down, but like, and that's easier said than done, obviously, but it's a cutting offense. It's there's, there's no flow to it. Um, Surprisingly on the season, Jabari Smith is taking 0.1 more shots a game than Shingun is, but I would imagine that does not account for the recent influx of Shingun <laughs> over the last like two, three weeks or so. The other player there is Tate. He's got a lot of leash there. Um, hasn't been able to stay on the floor but he's functioning kind of like a point guard right now. Um, I kind of, and his stats have been terrible this year. He's not on the radar, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see his trend line go up. We'll see what happens with Holiday, but um, he might be that veteran-ish guy, you know, that that Silas turns to there. All right, friends, we're going to give the people what they want, and that is ads. That's what the people want. Sorry, guys. That's just the way it works. Steven Vidovich, who are your favorite ads as trade deadline Thursday comes to its sort of whimpering conclusion here? There were no uh, after 12 trades that came through, by the way. So who who are the guys that you are springing at? Because uh, right now, this you know part of this show is, is being tailored for the folks that missed the, the live show and are listening to the recorded one. Where do they go? So if Mark Williams is still available, that's a no-brainer. Uh, Colin Sexton, if he's still available, it's a no-brainer, albeit much less upside than Williams. Uh, after that, you know, I feel like you fall down another tier. I feel like Williams is in a tier by himself and Sexton as well. Uh, and then Zach Collins uh, is still interesting to me. The Spurs did not uh, get a starting center back, although that would have been really intriguing landing spot for Wiseman, in my opinion. Um, but uh, Zach Collins is in like a, a lower tier. Um, and I'll actually throw in Matisse Thibel. And that's only for category leagues, points leagues. Absolutely not. No way. Um, but in category formats, uh, I, I do uh, like his chances of seeing um, perhaps starter level minutes. Uh, and I still kind of like the idea of Vanderbilt. I wouldn't add him, but I would be adding him to watch lists as well as Bamba to see how that center rotation, the big man rotation shakes out uh, in Los Angeles. Rhett, you get a two-parter here because, again, you got to look today and you got to look four years from today. Uh, Who are your likes for this year? Um, And then is there anything that we're overlooking looking ahead. I think you mentioned earlier on in the show that dynasty values didn't change all that much today, but you're allowed to repeat it. Cause again, this is going out on the recorded side as well. Yeah. I think Bamba of is one of the less obvious watch list, maybe ad type of guys. Cause we know he doesn't need 
much run to actually have fantasy value, assuming that he's blocking shots and hitting some threes. Um, obviously, he's on the Lakers, so he's probably going to get some shine and going to be a hot pickup. But in case he's available, I think that's one I would look at. As far as the long term, I'm interested in Darius Baisley. Uh, he is a restricted free agent this summer, so he may not be on the Suns, but the Suns just got super, super expensive and very shallow. So he's somebody who might just end up playing because they don't have a whole lot of other options and they'll need some on the cheap. Um, other than that, I don't really, I don't know. I don't think there's that much. Sadiq Bay in Atlanta is a, is intriguing because they have to move John Collins eventually. But uh, I think that that's, that's kind of it. Reddish in Portland is a dynasty buy. I think just because the price should be low enough that it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Zero. And, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, other than that, I think there's probably some players that didn't move that probably have their value increase. Uh, I just haven't dug that much into what didn't happen versus what did to, to speak on that very much. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't Jalen McDaniels. I like a lot in Philly, but he's already doing so great that I'm not sure that is going to help his value any, and it'll just be more about seeing where he goes this summer to see what kind of spot he ends up in and what kind of dynasty value that can produce. Brew, uh, same general question here. Who are your likes for today? Uh, and then I want to tack on one or two little caveats to that. Um, your pickups for today, uh, what's to become of the Detroit Pistons right now? That they, they went from kind of weird to weirder almost. Um, and then, uh, yeah, okay. And then I'm seeing it on Twitter a bunch, and I saw it in our chat room a couple of times. People are talking about Malachi Branham, like Trey Jones got ruled out for the year. But I, he's just still dinged up, right? Isn't Jones expected to play, like, maybe as soon as next week or maybe after the break? Did I miss something on that one? I don't think so. I'm uh, Not that I have seen. It's been a busy day, so if something... You okay, know, I didn't up see on, that. on Trey Jones. I didn't see it. Yeah, but, Branham um, profiles to me more as a Trey Jones is out streamer. Um, so not super long term thing, at least not yet. So let's not don't worry about that caveat, Brew. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the Pistons, and then who are your your big likes for the day, and then we'll put a bow on this thing. Five hours, we are almost done. Yeah, I mean, Pistons-wise, I've I've been watching for Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey to have even potentially mid-round value. And, and I think Ivey's the guy that could get climb higher faster than Hayes, but Hayes is a better likelihood of not doing something bad to one of your categories. Um, Alec Burks is an interesting um, just sort of nosedive over the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure if that's indicative of anything, but I, I think he's probably going to start fading to the background one way or another. Kind of a little bit surprised he's still on the team, but you know maybe they just want to keep those 20 minutes in his corner. Um, then in the front court, I'm not worried about Jalen Duran. Um, I'm not worried about James Wiseman coming in and, and really, you know, between him and Marvin Bagley, and I'm not sure if Bagley's ruled out for the season. It's just etched into my mind that he is all the time. Um, I think they would have a bucket of developmental minutes for, for them. Uh, Nerlens Noel in the buyout market seems pretty logical. Um, but this team is actually probably going to get really easy to handicap. Then you're going to see a lot of Hayes and Ivy. Um, Livers should be on radars. Um, 
Bogdanovich will keep trucking along. Um, and then I think you just maybe see some consistency out of Isaiah Stewart. But the uh, Duran thing, I know it probably feels a little bit more crowded now, but I think he's just going to keep going and going. So that's going to be another good pickup for us a couple weeks back or, or, or even longer than that. Longer, baby. Overall, I'd... What's that? I said longer, baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got Duran about two weeks before he started producing, and I was just thrilled. The day um, he moved into was... the starting lineup, that was uh... – that was the that was key. I'm in some deeper formats, but people got they got rid of him at the precisely wrong time. Yeah, and, and I was able to scoop up and grab him. Um, oh, Brew, we got the echoing, we got the buzz here just for your last final thoughts. So I need you to turn your yeah, echo let me, let me off and back off. on again, and then we can finally we'll to, we can get Brew's final thoughts, uh, and then everybody gets to take a nap. Maybe doubtful. You guys might right. not know this, but I'm actually broadcasting two basketball games tonight, back to back. So, pray for Dan. I'm. What are I you not, doing? I Dan? might not make it. Brew. Final thoughts. Wrap us up. Yeah. No. I'll echo Steve's thoughts. I thought Steve laid it out perfectly there on on all those key guys. And and really, I think you know. And yeah, I play in some deeper leagues, but like I, I think that downstream there are some interesting situations i'll just rattle them off in a lightning round format here um i think uh you know looking in miami they need a backup big man in the worst way um omer yurt seven and nikola jovic have been interesting fantasy players in the past they one of them needs to get on a radar for 18 minutes a game so i'm just curious about what happens there um damian lee and phoenix has been pretty damn good and they just lost two big minute guys that do a lot of stuff they're very thin now in in phoenix so i think he might be on rosters the rest of the way um jalen noel in minnesota has been really poorly shooting the ball this year but i think on a team with that many offensive players it's been easy for him to get lost and he just had a big game uh, last night. And Mike Conley will probably be happy to defer to him. So I think his role solidifies, even though they got McLaughlin back and that kind of complicates things. Um, and I think even I have up arrows next to their entire team. So if you have somebody on the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think all of them do better the rest of the way. Coming out of the break, um, we covered Brooklyn in depth. I'm not on the Josh Green uh, hype train but i do think he won at the deadline i'm not sure he'll cross 150 but at least it's worth a look reggie bullock in dallas i think now with some of the um the players cleared out of there i think he might see a small uptick um and then in utah possibly uh talon horton tucker might slide into some of that open space in the two, three, four range, even though it's if the, the, the concern there is more in the three, four and five range, I think they might end up having to play really small this year. And he's a guy with a little bit more size that can play up a little bit. And um, his fantasy game's not great, but uh, they might have to give him a look. And, and though Olenek didn't get traded, he's such an injury risk that I kind of wonder if uh, Damian Jones, who really disappeared in L.A., and I don't know why, he had a great year for Sacramento. He should have at least been on the radar at least a little bit. I wonder if he'll stick around in Utah and get some minutes. But we're really down deep into the top 300 when we're talking about that stuff. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all. We, deadline. That's all we all got. That was awesome. Mark Williams, man. Mark, that's, that's that. That was worth the price of admission for me. Mark, freaking Williams.
go. Let's go win some damn leagues, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for uh, all of my guests. Three of you guys are still here on the board, but we had others as well. Thank you to everybody that I had this. I had the window open with all the guest names, but I switched it over to this this trade deadline thing that's here now. So I unfortunately I can't go through everybody, but you know who you are. You guys have been amazing. Thank you for joining me throughout the day. Uh, thank you to all the viewers who not only found one, but then found the second live stream as well. Everybody that subscribed, you guys are amazing. I hope you're going to enjoy what we're putting out on our YouTube page. Follow us all on Twitter. You can see the names all on there. Uh, yep, every single one of us has a, a Twitter name on the screen. At EthosFantasyBK is the other one for those listening on the recorded side. I should probably say them out loud. At Dan Bespris. At Steven with a PH Vidovich. V-I-D-O-V-I-C-H at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Aaron Bruski. I am Dan Bespris. I am going to speak to no one between now and the basketball games. I have to call later tonight. And if tomorrow I'm coughing dust, you all know why. Thank you, everybody. Hugs and kisses. We'll see you soon. <laughs>